the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The estate planning team is an Ohio registered investment advisor. The following is for informational purposes only and does not intend to make an offer or solicitation for the sale or purchase of any securities or financial products. Be sure to consult with a qualified financial advice and or tax professional before implementing any strategy discussed herein. You have financial goals and dreams. We can help you achieve them. Welcome to Financial Food for Thought, the show that answers all the questions on how to maximize your lifestyle and preserve your wealth. And I hope a lot of people come and it's going to be uh, about this country and it's a salute to America. And I'm going to be here and I'm going to say a few words and we're going to have planes going overhead, the best fighter jets in the world and other planes too. And we're going to have some tanks stationed outside. Got to be pretty careful with the tanks because the roads have a tendency not to like to carry heavy tanks. So we have to put them in certain areas. But we have the brand new Sherman tanks and we have the brand new uh, Abram tanks. And we have uh, some incredible equipment, military equipment on display, brand new, and uh, we're very proud of it. You know, we're making a lot of new tanks right now. We're building a lot of new tanks. Okay, listen for it, Carrie. Lima. Lima. Mm. Uh, a great tank factory that people wanted to close down until I got elected, and I stopped it from being closed down. And now it's a very productive facility, and they do it. Nobody, it's the greatest tank in the world. All right, so there we go. So, you know, Carrie, I never thought I'd live in a world where the having a 4th of July parade would get so much controversy. Uh, Yeah, usually that's celebrating the independence of our country, which people should be proud of being in our country. And there are plenty of people who want to be in this country. So this is a terrific country that should be celebrated. Patriotism yeah. is a good thing. Right. And I, I don't know. How it is, isn't. Yeah. Now how is American like, feeling going into this 4th of July? So good morning, everyone. You're listening to Mark Donnelly. It depends Donnelly which side of the fence you're and on. And Carrie Waddell. And uh, actually, we're recording this before the 4th of July because mm-hmm. of the way, the funny way it, the holiday week falls right. and the uh, scheduled free days at the radio right. station and everything else. So this is actually recorded before the 4th of July celebration. So I hope uh, everyone's 4th of July goes well. And, and will, you wa- well. Will, you, <laughs> well. will you watch the president's... Uh, we'll probably... I would, um, chances are... We'll, pr- yeah, we'll event? probably de- DVR it like we always DVR the Memorial Day. They do a great one. In D.C., uh, the Memorial Day celebration. So we usually DVR and watch it later. 
Right. So, you know, he talked there about the Abrams tank, right? You know, in mm-hmm. Lima. Right. You know, in Lima. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, yeah. Remember that? What was a thing? Remember that, you know, the tank factory? So what about the Abrams tank, Carrie? right? You know, I think it started being made in 1979. You know, okay. still being made. Um, I think about 10,300 have been built or somewhere around that. Okay. Now, right? All right. That seems a pretty good arsenal, isn't it? 10,000 yeah. of those things. A unit costs about $8.92 million. Okay. Um, and as President Trump said, maybe the greatest tank in the world. Um, so we'll see how that goes. And we'll see how the whole 4th of July parade goes. I right? would think. like, See, things like this should bring people together. It's families. It's celebrating our independence. And usually, I mean, growing up. Carrie, it's going to cost $92 million. Well, you know yeah. that no one right. knows what it's going to cost. I don't think right. Trump will ever announce what right. it's going to cost. But remember that was remember he was going to do this right. last year, right? right. Or I think for if not right. for the time or they or something. And I remember that number has been thrown around for over a year. Right. I, I really but don't know I, what I'd the like new to number know is. How many politicians spend money on like frivolous right. things? Yeah, oh, screwdrivers, right? Or, yeah. Or what, what's the cost for you know those a pen even? So yeah, so I mean, whatever it costs. I mean, I don't know. Um, I'm all for it. You know, can't we just celebrate something without controversy? Yeah, and, Everything's and, controversial now. Well, we'll talk a little bit about right. 1776 maybe today. Mm-hmm. Okay, good. All right. Well, good morning, everyone. You're listening to Financial Food for Thought. We're here every Saturday morning on 1420 AM between 9 and 10. We're a financial educational talk program here to give you helpful information about areas that impact your financial life. And that's whether you're working and thinking about your future retirement or wanting to know what's, what things you should do today to fund that ideal retirement and address potential financial disruptors or challenges that can occur. Um, and also for people who are in retirement and dealing with those financial disruptors and knowing what you can realistically afford to spend without running out of money, using opportunities in the complicated tax code, as well as avoiding potential traps. And we've been, the estate planning team has been around the greater Cleveland area, helping people solve problems, save money and use opportunities for more than 34 years. We're accredited and A-rated members of the Better Business Bureau, and we're also Super Service Award winners on Angie's List multiple years. We're not investment advisors. We're fee-based fiduciary planners, and what we do is build conservative, realistic, long-term plans, and we also do objective and biased analysis for things that people are facing and choices they are. And like our plans are customized, so are our fees. We have hourly and retainer options. And as I mentioned, we don't do investments, but a lot of times for our clients, they're either doing their own investments or they're already working with an investment advisor. And we're very open to working with outside advisors. We believe coordination of advisor is a good thing. Um, and if you want to take advantage, um, we do offer a free, no obligation, no pressure consultation to find out if we can help you, if our process is appropriate for you, and then we can give you options on um, different fees depending on your situation, which the fees are uh, either hourly we have, or if you have a lot of issues, it's a combination of the time anticipated and the complexity of your issues. And you can call for a free consultation at 440-239-2090. That's 440-239-2090. Leave a message. We will get back to you on Monday or go to the website, financialfoodforthought.com. We have an updated website. You can see our pod. You can click on the link to our podcast if you want to hear future 
radio shows. We'll have classes posted. There's calculators. You can sign up for newsletters. So it's a good resource as well. And another thing, because I talked to someone earlier this week, mm-hmm. um, and this comes up all the time as far as what we do. Um, because we're that objective and biased analysis and, and we're, we're educating clients through the planning process and we're resourceful, I was running into someone and they said, boy, you know what questions to ask and you can tell me who I need to call to get the help I needed and I didn't even know. You don't know what you don't know and we don't always have the answers, but at least we know who to contact, what questions you need to ask to get the best result possible and know what your options are. A lot of times people don't even know, oh, I didn't know I was supposed to ask HR that. I didn't know that I needed to call my custodian. I didn't know I could. I didn't even know that was a question that I should be asking. Yeah. And that's just coordinated advisors, which we always talk about on this this, uh, radio show, as well as to our new clients. You know, Mm -hmm. we expect to be coordinating with your other advisors. As a matter of fact, ask yourself if if your advisors are not talking together, you know that whether that's a roundtable discussion in one of the offices or a three way telephone call, right? Right. Either way, you know, it, there is that brainstorming session going on. Are you mm-hmm. brainstorming? Are you getting different inputs to the particular problem you want to find a solution for? Mm-hmm. It's you know, there, it's a complicated world out there, right? Right. Um, and we and we learned that from when state planning team started thirty years ago. We you know learned that that our most wealthy families got that concept. Right. You know they real you know they it was they realize hey it's okay to use independent advisors mm-hmm. as long as they're talking to one another and they're working on my plan not right. their own plan. You know so that's the benefit of coordinated advisors and that's why team is in our name the estate mm-hmm. planning team because we certainly help coordinate that and build that team of professional advisors and some of our clients Carrie as you're mentioning do some of it themselves right they may be filing their own tax return you know they may be um, we have attorneys who are our clients they obviously right. do their own legal documents um, a lot of them do their own investment advisory right. you know or working with the no load funds and what have you. So that's okay. You, you you don't need to necessarily hire a professional for all the different disciplines, but it's also difficult to do it all on your own. You know, that, that can get uh, busy as well. All right. So you listen to Mark Donnelly and Carrie Waddell, and we're the co-owners of the estate planning team. And as I said, the estate planning team has been helping Cleveland families build custom financial plans for over 34 years. And as we always like to say, we do it one family, one plan at a time. Mm-hmm. And let's see. Um, so I'll talk a little bit about, you know, summer reading, Carrie, right? I remember in July, I get into my summer right. reading. So I brought a book with me. All today. right. So I always get this book out on July 4th, right? And the title is simply 1776. Mm-hmm. Okay. Written by Simple. Dave. Yeah. Written by David McCullough, you know, uh, copyright 2005, Simon and & Schuster. And it's just a fascinating book. All right. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, you know, 290, you know, 290 some pages of just eyewitness accounts of, you know, like the daily events, you, you know, being depicted by, you know, the people that lived through them, you know, for that whole year. Mm-hmm. Okay. And it's just a page turner. You could, you could just flip open to any page in the book. Okay. And you just start reading because it's, it's, it's kind of chronological from, you know, January to right. November, but it's just incredible. So I'll, I'll give you a few excerpts. Um, all right. And let's see here. Uh, you know, it's a okay. The reflection upon my situation 
and that of this army produces many an easy hour when all around me are wrapped in sleep. Few people know the predicament we are in. Hmm. Who do you think said that? I don't know. That was written January 14th. Okay. And that was George Washington. Hmm. Okay. Um, so that is how the book starts, and it's just an incredible. All right. So we'll maybe give a couple. So yeah, July Fourth should be a good thing. While you're you're talking, I I just happened to if Google on my phone July Fourth. You're right. Controversial topics. <laughs> oh my gosh. It's, it's, I tried it's, to stay away from it because it gets so absurd. But I just threw it. All I did was type July Fourth. And it was, oh, this is absurd. This is political. This, And I'm like, oh, my goodness. Right. No, why these we... are not really controversial issues. I mean, compared to what these guys in 1776 right. were going That's through. That's what I'm saying. Deal with real issues, real problems, instead of creating problems that aren't problems. I don't, don't, isn't life throw you enough problems right. and issues without creating ones that right. really aren't? So let's see. So we're going to calm down. Okay, so what else is going on? Um Ohio didn't pass their budget. You know, I, you know that was I, odd. I, I, I don't remember that. I mean, that being a big issue. And so Republican control. You know, Dewine's a new governor. Right. What happened? You know, I knew there was a lot of controversial. You know, budget items that they were. You know, juggling. Is that yeah? Um, and it's all a matter of money, right? Right. And, and but I thought they'd get it done. Mm-hmm. Um, they didn't. Uh, Senate passed a seventeen-day extension after bid fails for agreement. Um, hmm. um, so that doesn't bode well, right? Now they say, you know, they're going to keep everything open in Ohio, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, and they're going to try to get all these issues resolved in the 17 day extension. Think they're going to get that done, Carrie? Mm, probably. They, I don't know. Maybe. They all, they all went home for the holiday, you know, right. so we'll see. I know one of the things that. I know was up, for example, was the uh, film credit, you, you know, that you know how Ohio gives a break for Hollywood producers okay. to come in and make films you want incentives in Ohio. Right. To it's a big be- tax break, right. and, and, but, but it's a big revenue bring, I was going to say, it brings a lot of money yeah. to different cities. I mean, we're competing with Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh, you know, Cleveland's right. got, you know, Pittsburgh's got a big one, too. It's probably a bigger movie industry than, than right. Pennsylvania's got a bigger movie industry going than Ohio. So Ohio, that was when they were going to cut that. Yeah, completely. but it also, right, even though the tax cuts, I would assume the revenue is greater than the tax cuts. Yeah, it's, so. like, a, it's like a three for one deal. I mean, for every tax dollar cut. You were in three? three yeah, to me, it, that'd it, be a no brainer. Um, yeah. So, you know, we'll see what that is. Um, let's see what That's else That's a good return. Um, this is this is not good news. Why some seniors will get a surprise Medicare bill soon. Did you okay. see this, Carrie? No. Okay, at least 250,000 seniors. Now, that's not a big number, you know, so hopefully, you know, nationwide. Right. right? Um, at least 250,000 seniors may soon receive a bill for up to five months of Medicare premiums that they thought they had paid. Hmm. You know, you know, we always warn, what? we always talk to our clients, Carrie, and this is a good thing. You know, you remember, you got to, you know, <laughs> you got to watch your mail. Mm-hmm. It, mail matters. All right. Right. Um, and we tell people you get two things from Social Security every year if you're collecting Social Security your benefit statement. One is your benefit statements. By the way, if 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 you're collecting Social Security, what was also on that Social Security new benefit statement that you get around Thanksgiving every year is what your new Medicare B premiums and or Medicare D premiums if you're getting Medicare right. D. Right. It tells you what your premiums are. You got to mm-hmm. look at those numbers. Right. Okay. And then if you have and if you've elected federal withholding, it'll also show you. That. All right. Um, 
And the second thing you get is the Social Security 1099 that you give to your tax preparer, right? right. Or you put into your robot if you're doing it yourself, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, make sure you have both those things every right. year, right? Um, okay, the unwelcome letter is a result of a processing error that occurred in January. Hmm. Okay. Um, so accordingly... Um, According to the website Social Security Administration, the government agency did not properly deduct Medicare premium costs from some senior Social Security checks earlier this year. So those senior premiums did not get sent to the Medicare plans. Hmm. Okay. So Um, it's really money that didn't get taken out that should have. So it wasn't like it's not like they're taking extra. Right. According to Kaiser Health News, the federal government, Social Security and Medicare agencies did not explain how or why the mistake occurred, nor did they provide a more exact number or the names of the plans that were shortchanged. So I guess if you get some fan mail from the Social Security Administration and or Medicare, it may not just be, you know, junk mail. Right. Um, you may have to deal with it. But, but also, should you have, you know, realized that all of a sudden, you know... My benefits were higher than they should have been right. netted out. Substantially. Right. I mean, probably, you know, Medicare B, you know, 2019 starts off with, what, a 135.50 a month. See, I would notice I would, that. I would think. Now, a lot of people thought, you know, that they're presuming that a lot of people just thought that was the cost of living increase. Right. You know, the 2.8% increase. They heard that. That's a big increase for 2019. So they thought maybe that was. So in either case, that's why you look at the right. mail. So you don't get, you know, on. You know, I did see right. an article that came out this week that said still, even though their majority of people know because longevity is more of an issue to delay Social Security to 70 is still the in majority of cases. It's the ideal. They were saying, but they said more than half of the people applying applicants for Social Security apply before their full retirement age and 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 i don't know why they didn't do a percentage article said one in 25 people are only are waiting to 70 so hardly anyone is following that yeah um it's yeah it's it's you know we we go over this time and time again you know obviously it's a break-even analysis Mm -hmm. but you err on the on the the riskier position that you're going to live longer than what you're thinking See, again, from a financial planner standpoint, if if a client dies before we are expecting them to die, that's mm-hmm. really not a financial problem. Right. Because they haven't run out of money. Right. It's a much bigger risk, in our opinion, if the client is only planning enough money to age 85 and they're a lucky, uh, you know, unlucky enough to live past 90. Right. But because they have, they've run out of money. So, you, you know, that's somewhat you have to look at when you're running your Social Security, you know, election mm-hmm. analysis to determine, well, you know, and, and by the way, you don't have to do this by yourself anymore. Mm-hmm. I mean, all the professionals, we have the, the, the software that you don't have to, you know, try to do this on a 13-page, you know, column worksheet, right? right? Or build your own Excel spreadsheet. You know, we have the the brilliant people who wrote robotic analysis that, you know, we can quickly, you know, look at all the the options and zero in. And the way you do that, if you've never seen a professional one, come to one of our free, you know, free consultations. Even if you don't become a client, if, you know, if you provide us, you know, with your Social Security information, we'll run that analysis that you can take a look at it and take home with you. Okay. And if you don't think longevity is an issue, Stanford Center for Longevity said a 65-year-old man today is projected to live to 84, a woman 86.5. 
but a couple that are both age 65 have a 50% chance of living that one of them will be alive at age 92. Yeah, it's Remember, up to 92 now. We've it's been saying not 90 quality, for a long time. it's quantity. I mean, you think about medical yeah. advances even in the last 10 years, they can keep you keep you around a long time. Yeah, yeah. We always say don't confuse quality <laughs> of life after age 90 versus the cost of living after right. age 90. It's two completely different things. All right, what else is going on? Illinois became the 11th state to legalize marijuana. Ugh. Um, you know, uh, but yet then there's studies. That's all Chicago needs, right? right? But I'm saying there's studies week out, week after week, talking about the problems of it, and more research needs to be done. But yet, yet, did you see San Francisco is banning the sale of e-cigarettes? But yeah, you can smoke marijuana, <laughs> marijuana, but you can't. You can't. They don't want the sale. Oh of yeah, you got to get your priorities straight here, <laughs> Carrie. Um, you know, half those uh. half those vapes are are filled with the cannabis, anyways. You know, I mean, that's that's you know. Now the um, now why I mention Illinois is because it's interesting because it wasn't a vote by the people. Okay, it was done through the legislature. Hmm. Okay. And, you know, as the first state in the nation to fully legalize adult use cannabis through the legislative process, Illinois exemplifies the best of democracy, a bipartisan and deep commitment to better lives of all the people. You mean revenue. That's, that's all that matters. Okay. That's they can what, care less you know, about That's what better, the governor is saying about yeah, the, this. The government could care governor less about be, or any of those about better lives. It's now, about revenue. I, now, I, I thought that Vermont was the first one to pass it legislatively, but, you know, there's a technical difference. You know, for what Vermont did was um, they just decriminalized it. They were the first to decriminalize it right. through legislation, meaning Vermont, Vermont's law now allows adults to grow and possess small amounts for their personal use. Um, but it's still not, it didn't legalize the sale of right. it recreationally. So apparently, Illinois is the very first, you know, in the nation to fully legalize, you know, the use. So. We'll see how that goes. Um, all right. So, you know, let's. So, I'm just going to open 1776, Carrie, to okay. a random page. Um, so, I opened to page 189. Okay. So, we're worried about, you know, this 4th of July, you're worried about things. So, what were, you know, you know, really about it? Okay. <laughs> they were, had bigger issues. It was approximately four o'clock and still dark when a young officer on horseback, Major Alexander Scammell, came riding through the outer defenses looking for General Mifflin. Scammell was at 29 years old. They're all so young, Gary. Scammell yeah. was 29 years old and well-liked. A Harvard graduate and attorney in civilian life, he was quick-witted, charming, six feet two, and had been serving as an aide-de-camp to General Sullivan. Scammell told Mifflin the boats were ready at the river landing and that Washington was anxiously awaiting for the arrival of the last remaining troops. Mifflin said Scammell had to be mistaken. He could not imagine that Washington met, you know, wanted this to happen right now. Scammell insisted he was not mistaken, saying he had ridden from the extreme left where he had ordered all the troops to, to, to he met to march for the ferry, that they were then on the move and they would continue on to give the same orders. Mifflin then ordered General Edward Hand to form up a regiment and move out as soon as possible. But Scammell was mistaken. He had misunderstood Washington. The order was a blunder of exactly the kind that could spell disaster. The troops left the trenches and started for the river without delay until just beyond the Dutch church, within a half mile of the landing where the column halted. Washington, astride his horse in the middle of the road, demanded to know what was going on. 
General Han was explaining when Mifflin rode up. Faces were hard to see in the dark, but Han could remember Washington exclaiming, Good God, General Mifflin, I'm afraid you have ruined us. Hmm. That is what's going on. In the you know, you know, and people are worried today that we're offending I, everyone, yeah, all being right. offended. All right. So let's see. So what else are we gonna talk about today, Carrie? Um this is going to be part two of required minimum distribution talk. Right? right. So if you missed part one and you want to hear about it and you're someone who has IRAs, company plans or similar asset tax qualified assets, you can go to the local podcast and you can listen to last week's show. And we've talked about some of the rules, misconceptions and things like that. And that's financialfoodforthought.com. All right. So what, sometimes we get the question, well, how is that silly thing calculated? What we call the RMD. All right. And, you know, there's a, um, a couple of, uh, you know, in other words, there's three, you know, what we call life tables, Carrie, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm looking for something, Carrie. Um, I don't know if I've got it. What do you do with my life tables, Carrie? All right. Um, well... There's three life tables. So basically, to calculate your required minimum distribution, you take the balance in the IRA, and we'll use that generally, Carrie. Right? You know, it's mm-hmm. it's you know whether it's a 401k, 403b, 457, you know, any of the tax qualified plans. But the idea is, if you are, um, you know, for for today's, I'll just you know use like the RMD for an IRA. I'll just say IRA. So to calculate RMD for IRA, you take the ending balance, you know, so for 2019, for example, if your RMD would be based on your 1231.18 ending balance, right? So that would be in the numerator, mm-hmm. okay? And then the denominator, okay, would be ba- a life expectancy. Right. And okay? that's based on the government table. That's right. Not- and basically, there are three tables that you may possibly be using over your lifetime, Okay. The one that most of the listeners will be using is what we call the uniform life table. Mm-hmm. All right, and that's based on your you know life, your the, your attained age in that year, and somebody ten years younger than you, a phantom person. Okay. okay? Um, now, don't ask me how we got there. It's a long you know boring story of the U.S. tax code. Um, but for example, uh, you know, if it's starting, you know, at, at seventy, if you, if you take the light joint life expectancy of a seventy-year-old and a phantom second person ten years younger, a sixty-year-old, right. it would be twenty-seven point four years. Okay. Okay. So that's a divisor. So you take your numerator, let's you know, and you divide by the denominator, twenty-seven point four. So let's use a, let's use a hundred thousand dollars. Let's say you have a hundred thousand dollars in your IRA. So okay, you divide by twenty seven point four. That's three thousand, you know, six hundred fifty bucks. You know, basically mathematically, it's about three point six five percent. Okay. Okay. Um, so and then each year you get older, right? The divisor gets lower because the life expectancy gets less, right? So right. typically that's why you see the required minimum distributions going up every year. Mm-hmm. Now that wouldn't be the case, by the way, if you are losing money in you know investments in the IRA. In other words, if your if your investment return is less than the three point six five percent withdrawal, well, then obviously your required minimum is not going to be larger right. next year. All right. Okay. No, but there's an alternate table if you are married and your spouse is more than ten years younger than you, 
and is the sole beneficiary of your IRA, you get to use another table, mm-hmm. okay, where you're actually using the joint life expectancy of you and your younger spouse, mm-hmm. okay? So, you know, it's not going to be a big difference, but it would be a difference. A little bit. Okay. And so, for some people, it might keep you under that threshold. You know, and so let's say instead, of, you know, uh, for example, let's say a 70-year-old, and let's say your uh, spouse was 59, okay. you know, more than the 10 years younger, right? Okay, in that case, um, your divisor would not be 27.4, it'd be 28.1. So it's not even a whole year's difference. So it's a slight difference, right? Mm -hmm. Now, obviously, if your spouse was 15 years younger, it's going to be a bigger difference, right? right? Um, So, you know, so that's sometimes, now some people, you know, forget that or miss that. And, you know, sometimes you got to remind the robots or, or the custodian, hey, my spouse is more than 10 years younger. She she or he is my sole beneficiary. And can I use the, the you know, the the, the lower table, the, you right. know, the, the joint leverage table? OK, um, the third table that you may use in your lifetime is if you are a non-spouse beneficiary of an IRA. Okay, you inherit an IRA. Okay. Okay, in that case, you know, again, you can't roll it over to make it your own. Only a spouse can do that, right? So a non-spouse beneficiary, they, um, you know, they have to begin required minimum distributions within a year after the owner's death, right? Mm Mm-hmm. Um, and now, but you know, if they're if if it's done right, they can use their single life table. Okay. okay. So they don't use the uniform life table. They don't use a joint life table. Right. They would use their single life table, which would based on their own life expectancy based on their age. Okay. Um, and and those are the three. You can find all those tables if you're looking for them, you know, at the irs.gov website and just in the tables. Okay. Um now the other thing too though is we always say that you need to know more than just that. Mm-hmm. Okay. In other words, just you know what that looks like. Um, so care, you know, so you know, if you you know, we always say, do, do you know you know, you know where the or what the required minimum distribution looks like for you if you follow that through your whole lifetime. And maybe that's not in your best interest, and that's a great reason people come in for a free consultation. If you provide your numbers, we'll actually show you if you follow minimum required distribution how much you get to keep, and that's based on what your life expectancy is or joint, if it's a couple, how much goes to the government and taxes, and how much left for your heirs. And I think that's eye-opening because sometimes that's not, or in many, many cases, the plan wasn't to leave a pile of money to the government. You would have, if you would have known, you would have made it, maybe you would have made another choice to use it, spend it, kids, charity, some other choice. Right. So if you've never seen what that projection looks like, come in for a free consultation. Right. We'll use your numbers. Right. And you can call. I want to forgot to yeah. give the numbers. You can call the estate planning team, leave a message. Summer's a good time to get on the calendar. Um, we can do consultations by phone or in person. Um, if you leave a message, we'll call you back on Monday or you can contact us through the website. That's 440-239-2090. That's 440 440- Two three nine twenty ninety, or visit financialfoodforthought.com. Because a lot of people, you know, th- thought or think, you know, over the decades that we realized decades ago that people were in their minds, Carrie, they were thinking that if they filed the required minimum distribution, that their IRAs would pretty much be gone by life expectancy. And I don't know if that's the case, right? Um, 
So, you know, for example, so I've got some numbers in front of me, Carrie, right? And this okay. is this is a good example of getting a long-range projection before you just make a short-term decision and say, well, I'm just going to follow the required minimum distribution because I've heard that's what I'm always supposed to do. Right. I'm never supposed to take out more than the required minimum distribution. All right. Um, but yeah, a lot of those people that maybe are thinking that are also worried that they, you know, are going to run out of money before life. Mm-hmm. Okay. Or that they can't retire yet. Or that they can't buy that, you know, more health care or they can't help out their kids anymore or, you know, they didn't want to go to Hawaii anyways. You know, right. all those situations. Right. Um, but, you know, so, it, you know, just to get an idea. But, you know, this is why you don't ask your neighbor, you know, necessarily what they're doing, because I don't know the size of your neighbor's IRA, you know, as opposed to yours. I don't know if your neighbor's getting a pension or not. You know, I don't really know how much Social Security income your neighbor's getting. Right? Maybe your neighbor's spending's different than yours. So don't ask your neighbor, you know, why don't you run right. your own numbers, right? Now, we can look at some sample numbers here, Carrie. Um, so let's say you have 500000 in the IRA, right? Mm-hmm. And you know, let's say you're earning 5% a year. Okay. Now, if you don't know what rate of return to use, ask your investment advisor. Mm-hmm. Hey, you know, Mr. Investment Advisor, you're you know, managing my money. Based on how you have me allocated today, what long-range rate of return do you think I'd be using to build my financial plan? Mm-hmm. Okay, that would be a good place to start and just see what they say. All right, now, so I'm using 5%. All right, so 500,000, so you you know divide that by 27.4. The first year required minimum is 18,248, okay? Um, now, let's just say you follow required minimum. You continue to get 5% a year earnings. You know, let's say, you know, at 95, I'm cutting this off, Carrie. Okay. Is that long enough? Yeah, I think if so. If it's not long enough a- for you, you tell the robot to run it to 100. Or longer. If you think 95 is too long, you tell the robot to run. See, the idea is maybe you want the robot to run a few, you know, longevity scenarios for you. Right. And you find one in the middle that you like. All right. Um, all right. So 500,000, a lot of people thought that by age 95, that's going to be gone, right? Well, actually, based on a 5% rate of return, there's probably still $324,000 in there. Hmm. Maybe that would cover some trips, home okay. improvements. Maybe if you're worried about long-term care. Yeah, but it's, I can hear the, the naysayers out there saying five percent. Are you crazy? Mm-hmm. We're we're lucky. We're going to be lucky if we get three in this. You know. Do you know? You know that's funny when people say that. But I remember because we've been with the company more than twenty something years now. When people, when we asked the question, "What growth rate do you think you're going to get?" I remember when people would put. You know, when we were saying each and every year. People would write double digits. Oh, so, so, oh, yeah. Uh, I think I think ten percent's being conservative. Oh, yeah, exactly. Oh, Mark, I remember. It's literally. And we were I, still I, running five. I, 6%. I remember. But you know, Mark, I want to be conservative. Don't run anything higher than twenty five percent. And they were. I couldn't <laughs> laugh at them. Right, but I'm just saying. Even then, Mark, we were running five to six percent on average, conservative, realistic, long term. It's, it's like, do you know how sorely disappointed you're going to be, Mister Mrs. Smith, if I run your retirement plan based on a twenty five percent return forever? They're like, really? Do you think it would be better if we use fifteen? Oh. Luckily, would you know those days are gone. Right. But the lost decade ruined a lot of retirements. Mm-hmm. By the way, you know because of that exuberance. Um, irrational exuberances or mm. greenspans. All right. So I know 5% is way too pie in the sky. Mark at three. Okay. So let's do, let's rerun it. So we asked the robot 500,000, 3% rate of return on investments. You just follow required minimums. Certainly now by age 95, that 500,000 gone. gone, right, Gary? Mm, wrong. No, there's still over 200,000 mm. in there. 
Uh, now, what if we went the other way? What if you're one that says, hey, seven? My guy's telling me seven. Well, good for you. I okay. hope they do. So now, you know, 500,000 starting, at, you know, 70 and a half and, and 5% rate of return. I'm sorry, uh, 7% rate of return. I'm sorry. Uh, balance has to be higher than what you started. Obviously, five, about 520,000. Okay. Okay. Um, so, you know, this is the idea. You know, that's why I always say, you know, the next time you ask one of those professionals you're working with, hey, should I do, should I just follow the required minimum distribution or should I do something different? And they come back with a quick answer with absolutely no analysis at all. Mm -hmm. Just no, Mrs. Smith, just always follow your required minimum distribution. I want you to ask a follow-up question. And the follow-up question is, okay, Mr. Professional Advisor, if I follow the required minimum distribution, can you tell me what the balance of my IRA will be when I'm 90, 90, 95, you fill it in. And if they can't give you a number, I'm not so sure you're ready to take that. Right. And on a whole other level is the tax impact. If you wait to follow minimum required distribution, we've seen it where it creates people, depending if they save, have large IRA or company plans, causes their Medicare B premiums to go up, throws them into another tax bracket. Now their capital gains are taxed. I mean, so it's something you need to watch and be proactive about, just not wait. Okay. Another issue, we're just jumping around here. We're talking about required minimum distributions, and this is part two. If you missed part one, you can go back and listen to the podcast. Mm -hmm. Um, You can find them on the radio station's website under local podcasting. or Go to our website now. What's our website? uh, Financialfoodforthought.com, and you can click on the podcast. There you go. All right. Another one that's come up is, okay, um, I've got my RMD. I don't really need it. Mark, um, but I'm also making charitable contributions. But unfortunately, because of the new tax law, I'm not itemizing anymore on Schedule A. I'm just taking the new higher standard deduction. Mm -hmm. So I'm not really getting the tax write off for my charitable contributions anymore, right? Because it's not getting me over the standard deduction. All right, well, how about a qualified charitable distribution? So this is getting more popular every year, Carrie, mm-hmm. right? Especially with that new tax law change. So we've had a lot of clients who've been forced to go to this. This is the idea where if you are 70 and a half, now you have to be 70 and a half before you implement this, not the year you turn 70 mm-hmm. and a half, right? Don't implement this until you've attained age 70 and a half. But now you have a required minimum. You can you know, directly roll over from your IRA directly to your charity. Okay, we call it a qualified charitable distribution. Now you better coordinate your advisors. In this in this case, you want to get your um, your IRA custodian involved. You obviously want to get your charity involved so they know it's coming. As well as your if you're using a CPA, you want to make sure that they're on board right mm-hmm. with all this. Get I can't stress enough. And if you don't know how to coordinate those advisors, come see us because mm-hmm. we certainly do. Um, now. So what you do is the money goes directly from the IRA to the charity. What's the benefit of that? Well, you don't have to report that as taxable income on your tax return. So typically, so let's just use an example. Let's say your required minimum distribution was $5,000, Carrie, right? And let's say that's what you typically give to charity. Right. In my simple example here. So you just, so normally in the past, you were just, you know, taking your required minimum, it was going to your checking account, you would write a check, $5,000 to the charity, you know, and then you would deduct it on Schedule A. Right. And get the write-off. 
You're no longer deducting on Schedule A, can't go to standard. So in this case, you still report the $5,000 as the required minimum distribution. It still counts for required minimum distribution. But your tax preparer or your robot, if you're using a a software, makes an adjustment and doesn't report any of that $5,000 as taxable. Mm -hmm. It washes it out. Okay. That um, could be big for some people. That lowers your federal adjusted gross income, perhaps below a threshold you don't want to go through. But also, since we're in Ohio, some of us are in Lima, Ohio, with the tank right. factory, you know, we have an Ohio income tax. You know, Ohio doesn't give you charitable deductions anyways, but in this case, it benefits Ohio as well because you're lowering your federal adjusted gross income, and Ohio begins with federal adjusted gross income. So you're getting, you know, you're getting a lower Ohio That added tax benefit. Well. Um so, you know, that's, you know, that's, you know, out there now. And, and like I said, you, you may find yourself going to the trouble of, of looking into that. Um, also, Carrie, some time to time comes up, you know, we get the, we get the question of clients, you know, what, what do I do, Mark, if I've got a, you know, after tax contributions to my IRA, mm-hmm. meaning I didn't get the tax deduction up front? Well, this is confusing, right? Right. Um, because you have to prorate that, right? Mm-hmm. You know, to, to get that, you know, because, you, you know, you just don't, you know, you have to use, you know, there's a form, 8606 form. Right. And, and the idea is you've got to take, you've got to take all your IRAs together and you have to say, well, how much is the total versus how much is, you know, my tax basis or after tax contributions? Because in any year that I take a certain amount out, I got to prorate that. I I don't, I don't get to, I don't get to take my tax basis out first. Mm -hmm. It has to be prorated. And that has caused a lot of confusion over the years, Carrie, right? And so that's again, if you've, if you've got, you know, after tax contributions, you want to make sure that you're coordinating with your tax preparer, you know, about, you know, keeping track of that. And so you're getting, you know, you, you can, you know, prorate that tax basis, you know, as time goes by. Uh, so those, that's the, you know, the, and that could also be an issue too, by the mm-hmm. way, if you have a company plan. Um, so what are some other oddball issues? Um, okay. Um, you know, a lot of people, you know, say, what if you, you know, the non-spouse beneficiary issues, Gary? So um, some people say, Mark, well, you know, can I name my trust as beneficiary of my IRA? You can. Um, and. You know, why would you do that? Well, we don't have time to go into all the reasons why you might do that. But there's pros and cons. Um, There's both good things and bad things or things you want to consider before you make that change. You know, and or other times clients make another, uh, you know, um, occurrence is when a charity is named along with, you know, children, let's say. Mm -hmm. Okay, so you have some charitable, you know, beneficiaries as well as them so this gets confusing rules if you've got you know if you've got designated beneficiaries meaning named individuals versus charities or trusts as part of that right right um so iras with multiple beneficiaries that include a charity or other non-person entity must pay out that entity's share by september 30th of the year following the owner's death if that share isn't paid out and the account hasn't been split, the rest of the beneficiaries can't take withdrawals over their life expectancies. Remember, I was saying this, you know, a non-spouse beneficiary, right? I get to do it over my life expectancy. So it's a forced lump sum. Well, they would have to empty the account within five years, Carrie. Okay. If the owner died before his required, okay. I remember, I'm not here to defend the logic 
simplicity or fairness over right. here. I'm just here talking about the rules and looking for opportunities, right? Right. Um, so, you know, they will ha- they would have to empty the account within five years if the owner died before his required beginning date of taking distributions. If the owner died after that date, the beneficiaries must take annual RMDs based on the deceased life expectancy at, you know, his own IRS table. That's even more confusing. The, 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 the issue is here, don't fall, go fall into that. Right. You know, get, the, you know, you know, separate those IRAs out, make sure that you split things up properly. And this is, again, talk about coordination of advisors. I was going to say, even if you're not sure, you need to be working with professionals who know okay. the rules and understand. It, and if, if a trust is a beneficiary, okay, um, you know, you need to send the copy of the trust to the IRA custodian by October 31st of the year following the year the owner died. I call that the Halloween deadline, right? Okay. Otherwise, the trust is considered a non-designated beneficiary and the same payout rules that apply to the previous scenario with the charity will kick in. So, so this is a question of we get, you know, can I, you know, I, you know, Mark, I thought there was a way that I could leave the trust as the beneficiary of my IRA and it would not take away the, um, you know, the stretch rules for my children who are named in the trust. Well, yeah, we sometimes call that, you know, a qualifying trust carry, right? Right. And, you know, and, and if you want to save those stretch rules, okay, you, you know, it's got to be a see-through treatment to get, to get that. So, in other words, even though it's going to the trust, it really sees through that and goes to right. the named individuals. So, there are four rules to make a, a trust qualifying. You know, you know, the trust must be valid trust under state law. Okay. The trust must be irrevocable or by its terms become irrevocable upon the death of the original IRA owner. Okay. Most trusts have those. To met. Um, the trust underlying beneficiaries must be identifiable as being eligible to be a designated beneficiary. So they have to be living, you know, they have to be right. named, okay? It can't be an unnamed source, right? Okay. A copy of the trust documentation, as we said, must be provided to the IRA custodian by October 31st of the year following in order to get that done. So you have to jump through some hoops, right? Mm hmm. And cross some T's and dot some I's. All right. But, you know, this is where coordination advisors come in. And if you've never done this before, um, in other words, you find out that, you know, you're inheriting your mom's or dad's IRA and they've named charities or trusts as beneficiaries. It's going to be up to you to, you know, Dinner. understand these. Right. So you don't end up getting fan mail from the IRS. Um, or a, a quick distribution that's going to tr- up, you know, give you a high tax bill in the in the early years if you were planning on stretching it out. Um, now another one too, um, you know, is the idea if um, annuities okay, mm-hmm. um, and you know this deals with the commingling, right, Carrie of. You know, RMDs, you know, if you've got multiple IRAs, right. the idea of commingling is the client says, well, Mark, can I, t- I don't want, I want to take it, I, I have three IRAs, so my right. total required minimum is X, but I want to take it off from this one IRA. Right. We, uh, I talked last week on a case where somebody had a CD that maturity, just put it in a savings account, and what he had in the savings was the uh, same amount as total required minimum distribution for three or four accounts, so he just takes it from... The savings account because it's learning the le- earning right. the least amount. Well, sometimes the issue comes up where the clients have an IRA annuity that they've annuitized. You know, they're planning on annuitizing to get that guaranteed income stream that we always hear about, right? Right. Or it's got a guaranteed income writer. Well, if you've got an IRA annuity and you execute that. That takes it out of that required minimum distribution process, right? Because it's it sets its own qualified distribution right. plan. It's based on the actuary, the annuity company, and the age you turn on and stuff like that. Right. You're out of the norm now. 
Right. So I, you know, if if you've got a annuity salesman or someone saying you, yeah, you know, you turn on the guaranteed income rider, and because that'll be a certain amount that'll cover all your other required minimum distributions, you better run that by your CPA. Mm-hmm. Okay, because that may not be the case. Okay, you know, after and the annuity starts to produce income, whether through annuitization or an income rider, the IRA becomes a defined benefit plan, like a pension, right? Mm-hmm. Instead of a defined contribution plan. So the IRA account is no longer like the client's other IRA accounts that are still contribution plans. This annuity from which a client is receiving income now is under a separate section of the Internal Revenue Code that discusses how distributions from defined benefit plans must be taken. The client, the client no longer has to worry about taking RMDs from this IRA because it's being taken care of for them through a regularly scheduled income payments. However, if the client has another IRA, its distribution is considered separately and must be handled separately. So again, these are things that you don't want to you know, get crossed up. It's confusing, mm-hmm. but this is where court and advisors come into play. Right, and that, those is just an area. Those are examples of areas that the estate planning team has the expertise and been helping people in the greater Cleveland area more than 34 years. If you're retired uh, or working and thinking about your future retirement years or dealing with any of these issues uh, or anything we talk about on this show, you can call for a free consultation to see if and how we may be able to help you. You can call the estate planning team at 440-239-2090. That's 440 440- Two three nine twenty ninety, or visit financialfoodforthought.com. That's financialfoodforthought.com. All right, we have a few minutes here left, Carrie. Getting into the Fourth of July. Movie. Okay. Have you heard this song before? It sounds familiar. Yeah, it sounds familiar. So why is America so unhappy this 4th of July? I don't know. Well, it's the new great divide. You know, luxuries are cheap, necessities are expensive. Mm -hmm. So we just now are officially in the longest economic expansion in U.S. history. Okay, entering July, 121 months. Mm -hmm. But yet, many in the country that feel that they've been left behind... Mm-hmm. That they haven't participated in this great expansion, right? Okay. And you could talk to them all day about the low unemployment rates and the, you know, the GDP, positive GDP. Right. It, it, it falls on deaf ears. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, you know, they'll say, well, record unemployment, yeah, that's because we're all working involuntarily, right? You know, that means we're picking up jobs that says we are employed, but right. it's not jobs we want. Okay. It's a part-time job. I remember getting health care, right? Okay. It's the idea of, like, everyone else seems rich but me. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, well, you know, that's that's social media, right? I mean, right. you know, um, we all flaunt, you know, the fancy cars and the designer clothes right, right. and the luxury mm-hmm. vacation. We have a little debt crisis. That's what a lot, that's what a lot of people right. are feeling pressure, right? Mm-hmm. 20% of middle-class households spend more than what they earn. Hmm. Um, so... You know, and I mentioned last week too about you know how the this wealth gap, right? Remember, mm-hmm. I was I was you know reading out of that book from 2015, where you know they uh, they were saying that the top, in other words, the top, the richest 85 people globally 
had more wealth than the bottom three and a half billion. Do you remember? I was okay. talking about that. Well, I, I this, this week I got an update. I got okay. a Davos 2019 update. Okay. And the gap's getting wider. Hmm. You know what the new numbers are? No. The richest 26 globally now okay. have as much wealth as 3.8 billion of okay. the poorest people. All right. So, you know, what are you going to do? Not socialism. Um, <laughs> half American, half of America, they say, really hasn't recovered from the Great Recession. Okay. Okay. Um, you know, there's a study now. They're looking at counties nationwide, Carrie. Okay. Right? All right. Um, and they're saying right now that about 50%, a half of all counties nationwide, have seen flat or declining growth. Okay. See, this is the this is the other side of the coin. Right. We've heard that there's positive GDP growth, but for fifty percent of the counties in this country, there's not. Okay. Okay. The bottom third of U.S. counties actually saw them shrink. Their GDP shrank okay. by an average of two and a quarter percent every year between 2013 and 2015. Another twenty percent growth averaged 06 percent, barely resident positive. All right. By contrast. The rich counties are doing really well. Mm-hmm. Okay, um, you know, it's spectacular growth. The top tenth expanded their ec- uh, economics by eleven percent every mm-hmm. year from twenty thirteen to twenty fifteen. So I'm not, you know, I think there is, you know, the middle class has been right. disappearing, right? And you know, so we've here in, like you're saying, who you're going to hear a lot about this in the twenty twenty election, right? Right. So who's got the answer? Is it the Democratic Socialists? I hope not. Or is it the conservative capitalists? I I would say capitalism is still... I saw... Actually, I think um, one of our clients sent me... uh, It was a meme about, like, the mouse, you know, goes for the cheese but doesn't realize why it's free. Right, yeah. And it was comparing it to socialism and what a great analogy. Like, what's the cost of something that's free? Maybe bigger than most right. of us realize. So I'm not here at the state planning him to tell, you know, to claim the, you know, the sky's falling. It's just the idea that why we build custom financial plans is not because that we're worried about these things. We want to give you the peace of mind that you don't need to be worried about these things. Or if you do, you know what, how to address it. So have a good fourth, everyone. Tune in next week for more financial food for thought. For more information about the show, for estate planning or upcoming seminars, call the estate planning team at 440-239-2090. Thanks for listening. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here. Here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. And I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. 
with in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com, salemnow.com.